Computers are live. Mixer is up. Levels are good. Equalizer is good. Ready channels one and two. Mic is live in three, two, one. Roll it. Welcome, listeners, to the My Practice My Business podcast, where we teach dentists and their teams how to reclaim forgotten profitability in dentistry with our clinical business of dentistry training. And now, the host of our show, the clinical director at My Practice My Business, Dr. Rob Thorup. Welcome, podcast listeners, to the My Practice My Business podcast. Today's topic is self-induced insurance courtesies, and we're joined today with the general manager and my beautiful bride, Tracy Thorup. She's uh, been an office manager for years uh, in different, a uh, few different dental offices, and we're fortunate uh, to have her with us because usually she's super busy doing other things. So Tracy, say hello to the audience. Hello, and thank you, Dr. Rob. Great. So you probably noticed her voice. She's always on our introduction, and we're just glad to have her here today. The other day, we got a phone call from a new dental insurance company attempting to build their panel of dentists in the Salt Lake area. And like we need another dental insurance company in the great state of Utah. Anyway, my office manager uh, asked them to send us their fee schedule and we would consider joining. The fee schedule came and we made a close observation to see if they cover our top 40 codes we use the most. We noticed they had fees associated with them, but the real question was this. Do you pay out on all the fees you are showing on your contracted fee schedule? And we all know the answer to that. If they're not downcoding, they're just not covering the codes. The representative engaged in conversation with my office manager, and the real discovery began. We asked her the above question as a starting point. For example, we saw that diagnostic casts, oral facial images, and emergency palliative treatment were some of the codes they had fees associated with. When asked if they paid out on them, the answer was, those are codes that we don't typically cover with our insured clients. Isn't that most of what the offices that we, uh, uh, all of our clients, isn't that what we see, Tracy, on, on those codes? Absolutely. What about additional codes? What else are you seeing out there? Additional codes? What do you mean? Like, um, what other codes are, do insurance companies say they, that they show that they cover on their fee schedule that we contract with, but yet they really don't cover them? Oh, the list is long, so we're looking at, oh boy, diagnostic casts, local anesthesia, sometimes buildups. We're noticing more and more that they're starting to try to bake those in. That's a whole other story. Crazy, isn't it? So the, uh, my office manager then said, you realize as of January 1st of 2018, any service you do not cover, even when you have associated a benefit fee with it, can be charged to your client, our patient, at our fee-for-service fee schedule. She indicated that she was familiar with the new law in Utah, but said, our panel of dentists will almost always honor our contracted fees, regardless of whether we cover them or not, or regardless of whether you cover them, Dr. Thorup, or not. <laughs> so, Tracy, tell us about that law in the state of Utah that was passed uh, about a year and a half ago. All right. So, docs, you need to know, as well as office managers, that effective January 1st, 2018, the law does state that any service that is not covered by the insurance company is 
available or you can offer that at your fee-for-service fees. Now, also what we've noticed is other states are starting to follow track with this, right? Uh, the state of Washington now has uh, legislation on uh, that they're attempting to pass. Um, we're also seeing similar laws across the Midwest. Um, but the thing is, is, is what kind of a nightmare, though, Tracy, is that for office managers to have to flip back and forth? I know that we teach um, it in the clinical business of dentistry training. We teach uh, offices to bill out their their uh, their not their fee for service fee, but their contracted fees to hook their patients on the contracted fees, so that you know where production is any given day. Because offices that bill out their fee-for-service fee, they do so because they think that that's going to increase their their um, their contracted fees. That's the lie that we've been told for umpteen years. When we investigated that, has nothing to do. We found out it has nothing to do with your fee-for-service fees. Has everything to do with profit and loss. How many dollars came in in premium coverage or premium payments, and then how much was paid out that particular month or quarter. That's why you see a lot of your um, payments uh, slow down during certain times of the quarter because if they're running behind, they don't want to run in a negative on any given quarter because they have to answer to uh, shareholders. But Tracy, what kind of a, you know, how hard is that or how difficult is that to, you know, look at a fee and go, uh, wait a minute, especially when it comes back on the EOB. And says what? It says the service is not covered. So when there's a zero payment, it's super easy for you to be able to look at that contracted amount versus your billed amount. And when there is a zero payment, you need to make sure that you keep that back up to your contracted amount. You are not required to write that off. And a lot of offices do. A lot of offices that come into training when we do an evaluation of, of their, their uh, practice analysis report and we see what they've been writing off, it's amazing how many offices will write that amount off. Well, and you think about it, from an from a office manager's perspective, I've had so many office managers come to me so frustrated because the doctor is forcing them to bill out their fee-for-service fee. Then yet, at the end of the month, they're taking this big, giant 40% off hit, and the doctor's having a heart attack. And then blaming it, of course, on that office manager for taking such a big write-off. And yet, if they don't cover that particular procedure, you have the ability to charge your fee-for-service fee. But what does a consumer hate to do more than anything and is the kiss of death in any practice? What is it? That is to pay for something twice. And that's the problem. So the best thing that we've done in training is we have the offices keep a little uh, tickler file right up front with the codes that most pro- that most insurances typically do not cover. We also teach them to use that as a leverage tool or as a as a patient appreciation tool. If they do want to write it off or if they want to charge it out, they know to revert that back to the fee for service fee immediately. That's crazy, but what kills me is when I see them, the insurance company stating our doctors on our panel honor our discounted fees to our to our clients they do that as a courtesy because those doctors make so much money and those office managers and hygienists and front office personnel and dental assistants and they make so much money that they're 
they, they certainly would do that as a courtesy. <laughs> Does anyone not realize the problematic epidemic that we have brought upon ourselves by allowing anyone to convince us to honor lesser fees where our profit margins are at an all-time low or non-existent with PPO plans? Oh my gosh, is there any reason why we continually see dental insurance companies run all over us? People, they don't have as much power as you might think they do over us. So don't give it to them. Um, that's a, is there, imagine all the hard work completed by our state legislatures, your state legislatures, in passing the above said law in my state or the laws in your state that, are, that they perform on our behalf for those of us in the, our profession to protect us from these non-covered benefits, which are fee-controlled by third-party administrators so that we can be profitable, only to find members of our own profession continually discounting their hard work by honoring insurance dictates. Mm. That's what absolutely drives me insane. Every one of you know dang well what I'm talking about. If you want to deny or really don't know what I'm saying, what most of you do in your practices, let me remind you of the phrases I typically hear as I do dental consulting with practices all over this country. And Tracy, tell me if there's some I've left off. (laughs) First one, hi, Mrs. Jones, here is your treatment plan. And as a courtesy to you, we are honoring your insurance fees on all of your needed procedures, which are less than our standard fees, even though your insurance company doesn't cover the charges, which by law would allow us to charge you our higher fees. Oh my gosh. Come on, front office. You guys want raises. You want bonuses. Why in the world? Do you know what your direct operating costs are per hour? Do you know what it costs to run that business down to the penny? That's what other businesses know. And and if you understand your direct operating cost per hour, are there corporate profits built into that number? I don't think so. Point two, hello, Mr. Smith. Your insurance company allows us to charge for several of the procedures you require, but our office is going to do them at no charge as a courtesy to you. Ah, I swear, I... I, I'm going to be bald one day. My hair is going to stop growing where I pull it out in patches every time I see this. Um, many of the business decisions we make within our practices would give us failing marks if we were pursuing an MBA program, let alone any upper division business courses. For heaven's sakes, people, it's absolutely moral, ethical, and expected to charge for what you do. When some of our state representatives, both in and out of our profession, pass laws that help protect our ability to be profitable, why would you not apply those laws within the scope of your practice? If you choose not to put your business hat on, then stop complaining about not making the kind of profits you used to make, need to make, or hope to make. Is it really the insurance companies, or is it us in the dental profession? That's the million-dollar question. That's absolutely the good question. And for me, I think about it from an office manager's perspective. And there's nothing more frustrating for me to hear an office manager not knowing that direct operating cost, offering services for free. That office manager does not have the right to give away their bosses and coworkers' services for free. Well, the other problem too, Tracy, is they don't, 
I mean, it's like, my goodness, the number one job for an office manager is to make the dentist money, but mm-hmm. it's also his or her job to make money herself. I mean, how many office managers out there bust their guts? I know. I watched you as an office manager for years in multiple offices, busting your busting your butt to help the practice make money. But this gives you a negotiating point to be able to ask for a raise, ask for a bonus. That's where it's like if you decrease the profitability of the practice, the only raise or bonus has to come out of the doctor's paycheck. That's not a good place to be. And that creates a lot of resentment from the doctor when he or she has to pay for a raise, somebody's raise out of their paycheck and not out of like the corporate profits of the company. Absolutely. And that's the perfect perspective to have. If you were an office manager and you were making a lot of money for your practice, don't you think your doctor would appreciate that way better than giving services away? So where do these ridiculous, non-profitable dental prophecies come from? That's what I want to know. Who started this? Where did they originate? So Tracy's part of a dental networking group of office managers from around the country. And she'll tell you about this. She, she, she all too often shows me texts from misled office managers who make comments like those we've just addressed earlier, along with the phrase, it's illegal and I'm quoting, it's illegal to charge an upgrade fee on a better crown or any procedure, unquote. I, every time I see that, I just cringe. We were actually reading. We have um, some clients uh, coming down from the state of Washington again to go through training with us. And in the state of Washington, they actually passed a law years ago that stated and superseded any contract a dentist uh, Uh, signed with a company that stated they can offer value-added service, value-added service, and be paid a fee that is between the doctor-patient relationship. Now, I'm paraphrasing that law, but so now the state of Washington has more things coming out, as, as are we seeing in other states, especially Utah, where we're passing additional laws. But what killed us is, is when I was reading the contract with that we have with Delta Dental from corporate, which is the same contract that everybody signs in their rules and regulations, section two, uh, paragraph 11, I believe it was, where it stated that if you provide a value-added service, that can be a cosmetic upgrade, people. If you provide a value-added service that you can charge the patient, the patient has to sign appropriate consent, and has to be informed on what that upgrade is. That's their only rules that they, that they have in that contract. It's right in their contract. Yet when we called Delta Dental of Washington and had a, had a what, two-hour conversation with them, it seemed like. I think we were on hold for three and a half hours. I think I had a birthday <laughs> while we were on hold. No. So it's, it was like um, when we brought up this information and brought up their own rules and regulations, it was amazing to me that their own people don't even know what the rules and regulations are. I'm going to let that just settle on you right now. But they don't even know, and they try to just tell you the way it is, not the contract that you actually signed. That was crazy. Um, so when I do investigative work to find the origins of these types of falsehoods, they keep coming back to three locations. The first one is dental consultants out there who simply did not or do not understand how to ask the correct questions to dental insurance companies or who just 
make this stuff up thinking that it's the best thing for their clients. It won't get them in trouble if they just follow these marching orders or these rules that they think are out there for their clients. The second one is office managers who read it somewhere or were told it somewhere. Now that originates back often to dental consultants who just don't know what they don't know. The third thing is we've learned (laughs) because we've, uh, We've done consulting with some of the some people who are teaching at the universities and have private practice on the side, and we're helping them. Dental school instructors who never really practiced with PPO insured patients, or they're in there being told by older uh, instructors in the dental school that this is the way it is. You cannot charge beyond the code description and fee of what the procedure is you're doing. I mean. Tracy, did I miss any there? I mean, is there other areas where we're seeing these falsehoods propagated? Well, more and more. You kind of hit the nail on the head there. In my personal experience, a lot of times it is these Facebook groups, these social media groups where they all come together. And a lot of times there are these self-appointed experts in the dental field that turn around and spread this information. And because they've seen it on the internet, because they've seen it on social media, therefore it's true. Yeah, exactly. Whatever this consultant said, because this consultant knows everything, they've been around forever and ever and ever. Um, absolutely love, uh, one of the consultants that I've been able to work with Lois Banta, Banta consulting. It's been fun, man. When I taught her this stuff, she was like, Oh my gosh, Rob, this is crazy stuff. And it was so much fun. But are the blind leading the blind when it comes to truth about dental insurance? Yes. In my opinion, they are. There's hardline points to consider and implement. First one is when your state law says if an insurance company only allows $20 for a procedure, does not cover that benefit, and your fee-for-service fee is $30, and therefore you can charge the patient $30 for said procedure, not the 20 the insurance company allows, then charge the patient the $30 for crying out loud, okay? Number two, if you're contract with an insurance com- if you're contracted with an insurance company and their fee schedule shows a code as a covered benefit, charge for it. In other words, don't bake your buildups into your crown codes like they try to make you do. Push back. Remind them that you contracted with them according to their reimbursement fee schedule, and you never signed a contract to have your procedures baked into other codes. You can tell them no, and they will comply as they can't practice dentistry without a license, and they have to honor the CDT codes you are contracted for. You just need to know how to push back. And Tracy is the master of teaching (laughs) office managers how to push back on certain procedures. Three, if your office manager feels the need to give your services away, (laughs) now office managers, wait for point four, it's coming, okay? If your office manager feels the need to give your services away as a courtesy to your patients, remind them from whence their wages come from. If they feel you make enough money, Doc, and they suffer from codes and fees blindness and give it away-itis, get rid of them, okay? They're there to make you money. Now, office manager, point four. 
If your doctor suffers from codes and fees blindness and give it away-itis and feels the need to give your potential raises and bonuses away to look good in front of the patient, remind them from whence your future raises come from and who keeps them in practice. (laughs) Maybe the doc needs to be fired. And if the doctor feels they make enough money, ask them to review their retirement portfolio a bit closer or impart some of it to the staff in the form of bonuses. It goes both ways, right, Tracy? Absolutely. It's like unbelievable. <laughs> it's a, how many times do we see how many times do we see that it's it's not always the office manager half the time. I would say half the time. Oh, who it's the doc, right? You have no clue how many doctors come in saying that they are perfect with their patients, but I hear all of the details from the staff. Doctor is usually the one who says, give them a discount. Yeah. <laughs> they, the office manager's like, I've already printed out the treatment plan. The patient's already signed off on it. It's going to cost them this much money. They agreed to it. Why are you discounting it? Oh, my gosh. Kills me. So when an insurance company attempts to bully or guilt you into giving away your services, put your business hat on and quickly conclude that it's all right to make a good living. And even beyond, if we continue to make statements to the insured indicating we will honor the insurance fee schedule, even though they do not honor paying us in behalf of their clients, we will continue to set a precedence, people, of the devaluation of our services. Let me say that again. If we continue to give it away, we will set a precedence of the devaluation of our services. And as most of you know, PPO plans already take away, on average, about 40% of our fee-for-service fees. I would think that's probably courtesy enough. Thank you so much for tuning in to the My Practice, My Business podcast. You can find additional podcasts you may have missed that will help you with your dental practice at Apple iTunes Podcasts. And remember to become a subscriber to our podcast. Many of you have asked how to help support the My Practice, My Business podcast. If you have enjoyed the program and information you received today, the best way to help is to leave us a five-star review. Thanks again for allowing us to be a part of your day.